The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, my name is Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the audio version of the one-page article I wrote and published on my Substack at rabbishneeweiss.substack.com and on my blog, kolhasreedim.blogspot.com, during the week of December 4th, 2022. And special thanks to Rabbi Shmuley Phillips, author of Judaism Reclaimed, Philosophy and Theology in the Torah, for allowing me to write this guest post for his Facebook group. And this is the slightly updated version of the article that I shared there. I essentially changed one word which was the source of some misunderstanding, uh, and then rearranged the words around it to uh, make it sound nicer. <laughs> um, but there's no substan- substantive change. Okay, so the article is entitled, Vayishlach, Can We Talk About Reuven's Sin? The Torah's account of Reuven's sin ends as abruptly as it begins. Breshis 35.22 states, quote, When Yisrael was living in that land, Reuven went and slept with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Yisrael heard, end quote. The verse then stops mid-sentence, and a new paragraph begins with a non-sequitur, quote, and the sons of Yaakov were twelve, end quote. The pshat, straightforward meaning of the text, couldn't be clearer. Reuven had intimate relations with Bilhah. However, the sages of the Talmud in Shabbos 55b emphatically declared that such a reading is erroneous. Quote, anyone who says that Reuven sinned in the incident with Bilhah is only making a mistake. As it is stated, and the sons of Yaakov were twelve. This teaches that all of them were equal in righteousness. How then do I establish the meaning of, and he slept with Bilhah, the concubine of his father? This teaches that Reuven rearranged his father's bed, and the verse ascribes to him liability as if he had slept with her. Reuven protested the affront to his mother, saying, If my mother's sister, Rachel, was a rival to my mother, will my mother's sister's concubine be a rival to my mother? He got up and rearranged her bed so that Yaakov would enter his, mother's, his mother Leah's tent instead of Bilhah's. End quote. Yet, despite this admonition against ascribing sinful behavior to Reuven, a number of commentators do just that. Radak holds that Reuven had relations with Bilhah, mistakenly mistakenly thinking that since she was only his father's concubine, she was permitted to him. Radak doesn't comment on his motive, but it doesn't seem to be noble. Ramban theorizes that Reuven sexually defiled Bilhah to prevent his father from having more offspring. As the firstborn, who was entitled to a double portion, Reuven wanted to lock in the value of his inheritance. Rabag is particularly harsh. After condemning Reuven's sin as, quote, a disgusting sex act done in haste without intelligence, end quote, he then marshals evidence to support his claim that, quote, Reuven was not wise, for a wise man's heart would not be seduced to commit such base deeds, end quote. Rabbah concludes, quote, the Torah makes it clear to us that Reuven, who was so depraved as to sleep with his father's concubine, was mentally deficient, end quote. What are we to make of these views? Surely these commentators were familiar with the sages who opposed reading the incident of Reuven literally. How could they defy the Talmud's authoritatively worded injunction? Rav Tzvi Hirsch Chayas in Mavoha Talmud chapter 20 provides us with a key to an answer by differentiating between the drush, homiletical style of the sages, and the pshat-oriented approach of the commentaries cited above. He writes, quote, It was a received tradition of the sages that the more praise they were able to heap upon the actions of the righteous, to search for their merits, and to tip the scales of judgment in their favor, the more they would strive to do so as much as possible. Even in a case which which is explicitly presented in scripture as an evil, the sages sought strategies through the methods of drush to vindicate the actions of the righteous and to minimize their guilt. End quote. The answer is that the sages were engaged in a different expository enterprise than Radak, Ramban, Rabag, and their ilk. 
The Peshat commentator's objective is to understand what actually happened based on the evidence in the text and to derive insights, concepts, and lessons therefrom. In contrast, the objective of the darshan, the homiletical orator, is to use scripture as a rhetorical platform for promoting Torah values, regardless of what really transpired. Rav Chayas explains, quote, the smoothest way to teach the masses and to show them the path on which to walk is to only take principles from experience, from the events that happened in the earlier generations, end quote. Instead of speaking in abstract terms, the sages rendered these ideas accessible by painting vivid, romanticized, larger-than-life portraits of the biblical figures, taking creative liberties with the text, and painting its heroes and villains in broad strokes without being constrained by historical veracity. Thus, when the sages oppose the literal interpretation of Reuven's sin, they aren't referring to pshat. Regardless of what Reuven did or didn't do, it would be a mistake in the genre of drush to ascribe to him anything less than righteous motives. That's the end of the article. If you are interested in a full-length shear I gave on this topic entitled Midrashic Embellishment, Why Did Chazal Villainize the Bad Guys and Vindicate the Good Guys, and What Are the Educational Implications for Us, check out the show notes below or the links in the Substack article for the YouTube version of the shear, which features a PowerPoint presentation that accompanied the shear, uh, or for a link to the podcast version, which is just audio. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.